Let's pray this morning. Oh, Father, we thank you. We praise you because we know we are loved by the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no other like you, Father. And out of your compassion and kindness, you send your Son, Jesus, to walk with us in every situation. You send him to be with us in times of challenge and trouble, in times of joy and celebration, and you send him right now to be in this room, to be here, to speak to our hearts, to speak to our minds, to speak to our spirits, to speak to our souls, to lift us up, give us a vision of what we can become because of him. Father, let your Holy Spirit fill this room and rest on us this day that every day we might live for you and glorify you and praise you as King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and have a seat this morning. Well, we are uh, wrapping up today a uh, message series we've been working on here called Radical Parenting in the Next World. And today it's Radical Parenting in the Next World being radically uh, single. And some of you may say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Why are we talking about being single if we're talking about, about uh, parenting? And didn't you already do that single parenting thing, but now you're talking about single again? What's up with that? Well, let me give you some rationale. Number one is, uh, too often in the church, um, single people just get ignored. That, that somehow the church just pro- portrays this identity that somehow it's all about mom, dad, and and the kids, right? And uh, the reality is that, well, hey, look around your, your room here and, and look around the culture out there and you'll find there's a lot of single people. Stats tell us like 37% of the people over 18 years of age in our country are single people. And so, uh, you know, we, we need to speak to single people. Um, the other rationale is that, um, well, we're talking to parents. And uh, it's parenting, and, and there's a lot of parents who have single children. And so if you are a parent and you have a single child this morning, um, you need to listen, because hopefully what you're going to get this morning will impact the way you approach your child and the way you relate to them uh, as a single adult. Okay? So there's the two rationales and why we're, we're dealing with it uh, this morning. As we deal with it, we need to start by just uh, getting rid of a couple uh, key myths that seem to be out there uh, in the church or out there uh, in culture. The first one looks like this, and it's the myth that says God ordained all people uh, to get married. Have you heard this myth? I mean, we kind of got this this attitude out there, and, and sometimes it's even in the church, that, that somehow the goal for, for our children is that they, they grow up and they meet that special someone, and... And they get married, and they have kids, and they make us grandparents, right? I mean, but that's, that's not God's design. I mean, it's not that it's not God's design that that happened, but that's not God's only design. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a myth to understand and say that the only purpose God has for people is that they, they grow up, and, and they get married, and have those kids. and do Not at all. It, in fact, if you look at Matthew 19, and you get Jesus, who... You know, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, knows what he's talking about. He's talking to his disciples. And, and Matthew 19 is a great chapter 
because in Matthew 19, he teaches about marriage, he teaches about divorce, and often we miss in chapter 19, he also teaches about being single. Jesus told them, only those people who have been given the gift of staying single can accept this teaching. Did you see what he just called being single? He called it a gift. You see that? He called it a gift. Now, if, if the idea is that everybody is supposed to grow up, get married, have kids, and do that thing, if that's the overwhelming teaching of Scripture, what is Jesus doing saying, well, being single is a great gift? I mean, it doesn't equate, right? Well, it doesn't equate because it's a myth. It's just a myth. God doesn't have a, a pecking order somehow that says, you know, being married is better than being single, or being single is better than being married. I mean, God just doesn't work the way. It's a myth to understand that the, the only approach to life is, is the married approach to life. Jesus would have a cease. Being single can equally be a gift. And we'll talk more about that later from Paul. But if you look at some other big folks and big guns in the Scripture, right? Uh, for instance, John the Baptist, pretty big uh, dude in the Scripture, right? And he was single. You look at the Apostle Paul, pretty big guy in the New Testament, did a lot of work for the Lord, established a lot of churches, wrote a lot of the New Testament. Oh, and by the way, Paul was single. Exactly. Oh, and then there's that small reality. Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the one who died to give us all new life, he was do you get the message that somehow it's okay to be single? That, that there isn't this teaching that says everybody has to grow up and get married and have those kids, right? Not at all. That's just a myth. Second myth is that married people are happier. And I don't need to quote scripture on this one. This one I can just go some simple statistics, okay? So you look at the stats for, uh, for our current culture. 50% of first marriages, 67% of second marriages, 74% of third marriages end in divorce. Are we feeling the happiness? I mean, are we feeling a lot of happiness in all that? I mean, if the answer is, hey, just get married to be happy, our stats don't reflect that marriage is the end-all and the be-all of happiness, Right? It just doesn't seem to work that way. See, we have this false formula out there, and the formula is me plus somebody else equals happiness. And, and the trouble is, a lot of single people spend their time looking for the somebody else as if that somebody else is going to be the answer to happiness. And the reality is, our happiness and ultimately our joy rests in only one relationship, and it's not our marriage relationship. Now, our marriage partner can give us a lot of happiness, of course, absolutely. It can give us a lot of discouragement as well. My wife in the service? No. Okay. But, I mean, right? I mean, that's marriage, right? It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. But, right, happiness, joy, ultimate joy, is not determined by a relationship to another human being. Our joy is determined by our relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because he doesn't change. His promises are always true. We can count on him. 
And so our joy is not, uh, not dependent on that someone else that's roaming around out there in culture. Our joy is in our relationship with Christ. Paul says, I can do everything by the power of Christ. He gives me strength. See, he's our foundation. He's our encourager. He is our strength. He is our joy. He is the one that fills our life. He is the one that makes it full to overflowing. You see, the formula is flawed, right? It's not me plus someone else. It's me plus Christ equals a joy in my life that can't be compared. So the reality for us is exploding those myths is that, hey, not marriage isn't the only way to go. Scripture doesn't teach that. And happiness doesn't come from our relationship with another person. It comes from our relationship uh, with Christ. Okay? So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with our topic, radical singleness. Radical singleness. What the Scripture would want us to see is that radical singleness is a good gift. It's a good gift. If you look at the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 7, he says, I speak to those who are not married. Those would be single people. I also speak to widows. Those would be single people. So we know who he's speaking to, right? Pretty clear. I speak to those who are not married. I also speak to widows. It is what? Good. It is good. It is beautiful. It is honorable. It is wonderful. It is fantastic. It is good for you to stay single like me. What's the teaching? The scripture says being single is great. Being married is great. But being single is great. It is a good, fantastic gift that God gives. Remember what Jesus said? We looked at it just a minute ago. Jesus told them only those people who have been given what? The gift, right? It is. See, Paul understands what Jesus is saying here. Paul understands that Jesus is saying, look, it's a gift. God is the giver of gifts. I mean, we understand that. Paul is using the same language here when he talks about the goodness, the gift of being single, when he talks about the same gifts given by the Holy Spirit. When he talks about those gifts, he talks about them being something God wants to bring into our life, something God has chosen for us at that point in our life. He says all of the gifts are produced by the one and same Spirit. He gives them to each person just as he decides. What he's teaching is, listen, singleness is good. And it's a good gift that God is bringing into your life. If you're a single person out there today... You don't need to bemoan and buy into the, the myth that somehow the only purpose in your life is, is to get married and find that someone. No, indeed. Scripture would say, listen, being single is great. It, it's a good gift. It, it is a good gift that God has decided to bring into your life right now. It is a good gift. Singleness can be radical singleness that you just simply need to receive and enjoy. Why? Because singleness can also be the opportunity for you to do great things for God. Great things that you may not be able to do and achieve in a marriage relationship. Let me show you from Paul. He says, I don't want you to have anything to worry about. A single man is concerned about the Lord's matters. He wants to know how he can please the Lord. So a single guy is concerned about 
How can I please the Lord, right? A single woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's matters. She wants to serve the Lord with both body and spirit. So a single woman is concerned about, how can I please the Lord, right? Paul then contrasts that with married people. He says, but a married man is concerned about the matters of this world. He wants to know how he can please his wife. His concerns pull him in two directions. But a married woman is concerned about the matters of this world. She wants to know how she can please her husband. What's he trying to get through? Well, singleness can be a good gift because this can be the exact moment and opportunity in your life precisely because you are single to do some things for the glory of God that you can't do if you're in a marriage relationship. Well, why? Because a marriage relationship carries its own responsibilities. It, it carries its own responsibilities and its own accountabilities. And, and so, you, you, like he says here, you, you've got this other relationship that you have to be conscious of and devoted to and, and keep working at and be healthy. In singleness, you have a freedom that married people don't have. Married people, how nice is it every once in a while, be honest now, how nice is it every once in a while... Once in a while, when your spouse goes away for a weekend and you're left all alone, and you say, oh, this is nice. Okay, don't tell my wife, but I do that, right? I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's just nice, right? Well, the reality is what Paul wants you to see is, hey, it's okay to be single. It is a gift to be single because in your singleness... God has created an opportunity for you to do some things for his glory. And there's some great examples of that. Uh, C.S. Lewis, great guy, major theologian, wrote some incredible books, did some great preaching, guy made an impact for the kingdom. C.S. Lewis was single until he got to the age of 60. He got married when he was 60 years old. Another guy, Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley, equally great guy of the Lord, made a big impact in creating the, uh, the Methodist church, right? See, uh, uh, Charles Wesley was single most of his life. He got married later in life. When he got married, all his advisors told him, don't do it. He got married anyway, and guess what happened? He had a horrible marriage. He had a horrible marriage. You see, singleness was an opportunity for them to do, at that point in their life, what it was God wanted them to do. Singleness can be the place that God wants you to be. He says, I'm saying those things for your own good. I'm not trying to hold you back. So whatever God wants in your life, if it's marriage, that's fine. I'm not trying to hold you back. I want you to be free to live in a way that is right. I want you to give yourselves completely to the Lord. Radical singleness can be exactly the place that you need to be at this point in your life so that you can receive everything that God wants to bring into your life so you can receive the opportunities that God wants to bring into your life so you can receive that opportunity to go ahead and do whatever it is God is preparing for you in this moment, in this singleness. And you may not be able to receive that if you were in a marriage relationship. What Scripture is trying to tell us is that being radically single is a gift, and it's also an opportunity. It is a gift, and it is an opportunity. Does that mean it's easy? Not at all. Marriage comes with its challenges. Singleness comes with its challenges. 
That's the way life is for all of us, whether we're married or whether we're single. We, we live in a broken world, and so there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be all that stuff that's involved in living in the kind of world we live in. So for single people, hey, you may be single right now. It is a good gift. God's got a great opportunity for you, but you're going to have some challenges. One of, one of the big challenges for single people, most often in our culture, is the challenge of sexual temptation. It's just a reality. The challenge of sexual temptation. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing this, 1 Corinthians 7, he was probably in his third missionary journey, and he was probably in Ephesus writing to the church in Corinth. Now, he had founded the church in Corinth. He had spent probably about a year and a half uh, starting this church in Corinth. And the whole time, it was a continual challenge for him. And the church of Corinth continued throughout his ministry to be a place of challenge. Why? Because they were in Corinth. And Corinth was a tough town. It was a wild place. And it was especially wild around the arena of sexual temptation. Why? Because in Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite. And at the temple of Aphrodite, there was always 1,000 temple prostitutes available. Sexual temptation permeated the culture of Corinth. Not unlike the culture we're in. There's messages after message after message all the time in our culture. And single folks, you just got to be able to deal with that. Paul says it this way, but if you don't have enough self-control, then go ahead and get married. After all, it's better to marry than to burn with desire. A couple observations. One is, notice Paul says, listen, you got to just let this, let this go to control. you got to put this temptation, like all the other temptations, into Christ. you just got to let Christ take control of your life. And if Christ is in control of your life, you got to just put this prayerfully under his guidance and say, Lord, look, you you got to help me with this. The other thing is, single people, you got to make sure that you don't put yourself in positions of temptation. Because Paul's clear, as is the scripture, sex is for marriage. If we look at uh, Paul in the same place, he's, but since there is so much sexual sin, that's Corinth. You know what they said about Corinth, by the way. If it happens in Corinth, it, Corinth, it stays in Corinth. That's what they said. But since there's so much sexual sin, each man should have his own wife, each woman should have her own husband. What's the idea? The idea is that's where sex belongs, right? It belongs in that covenant relationship of marriage. And so Paul understands. Paul understands. This can be a difficult part of the gift and the goodness of being a single person. And you need to be able to release this into the power of Christ in your life. And... Uh, uh, Jesus would uh, remind us, as he does in 26 when he's with the disciples there, watch and pray. What are we supposed to do? Watch and pray. Yeah, you got to put this into his hands. Why? Because you might fall into sin. It's very tempting because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So single folks, you got to be wise about this part of your life. And, and Paul is saying, listen, if this is a part of your life that is so strong in your life, then this may be God's message to you that you need to be open to the possibility of marriage, right? 
if, if it's just something that's really strong in your life, Paul's saying, listen, then, then God may be telling you right now that you need to be open to the possibility of somebody coming into your life. That's the point. Trying to get it through is there's no pecking order. Married is good. Being single is good. Being single is a good gift. And it may be precisely the place you need to be to do what God wants you to do at this point in your life. It doesn't mean that marriage is out of the question. It doesn't mean that God may lead you there someday. But the key for us is not worrying and not being anxious about seeking that if that's not where God has placed us right now. You see, the worst thing that can happen, the worst thing can happen, single people, is if you spend all your time worrying and seeking marriage and you marry the wrong person just for the sake of getting married. Remember those stats we shared earlier? I mean, the key is to, to get yourself and just say, listen, God, this is who I am right now. This is who you want me to be right now. And I am good with that. I am content with that. It is that radical signalness that says, where God has placed me, this is where I need to be. This is what God wants me to be right now in my life. And I'm going to receive that as a good gift, as an opportunity to do what God wants me to do. He says, each of you should remain in the place in life that the Lord has given you. If you're married, that's great. If you're single, fantastic. Enjoy your singleness. Enjoy the gift of what that is in your life right now. Wherever it is, God has placed you. <clears throat> Paul tells us, I'm not saying that because I need anything. I've learned to be content no matter what happens to me. What's the point? The point is if you're single, the call God wants to make in your life is to say, listen, just be content with that. Don't, don't make mistakes by seeking marriage when God has placed you in this place that says single is good. Single is great. The reality, again, is there's no pecking order. Marriage, singleness. The reality is Jesus Christ died for each one of us. He died for each one of us, whether we're married or whether we're single. His grace is available to each one of us, whether we're married or whether we're single. His purpose in our life is available to each one of us, whether we're married or whether we're single. You see, the point of our identity is not whether we're married or whether we're single. The point of our identity is that we follow Jesus Christ. See, that happens to us a lot, doesn't it? When you meet some people, you're out there in the world and you meet some people and somebody says, so tell me about you. And what's often one of the first things that comes out of our mouth? Well, you know, I'm married and, uh, you know, or well, well, I'm single and uh, that's not your identity. That's just the place God has you right now in your life. Your identity is, well, I'm a sold-out Christ follower. I mean, I'm all about Christ. That's what I'm all about. And, uh, yeah, well, I happen to be single or I happen to be married right now, but, you know, I'm, I'm just a sold-out Christ follower. See, that's our identity. Our identity is understanding that God loves us, God has a purpose for us, God has placed us where we are, God has us things to do, whether we're married or whether we're single. He has placed us in this position to be radical, to be radical for the cause of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for the call you make on our life, whether we're married or whether we're single, that you just make that call on our life that we can live those radical lives. And we want to be those people 
We want to be radical parents. We want to be a radical husband or a radical wife. And we want to be a radical single person. Radical in standing up for the kingdom of heaven. Radical in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Radical in seizing every opportunity we have to move our lives forward in whatever you choose. That we don't live for ourselves, but we live completely and wholly for you. And we can just be content with that. And we can receive from you whatever it is you bring into our life. That we can just receive from you whatever purpose you have for us. And let it be enough. Father, we pray that would be true this morning for each one in this room. We pray that your spirit would come in in such a powerful way that, that they could just rest in that grace and that goodness. That they could just rest in you. We ask this so humbly through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.